there is a concerning trend among teachers and believers in the church today that we're going to address a little bit today. It's this fallacy of unity in the church. Before I continue, I want you to understand what I mean by a fallacy of unity in the church. Because that statement in itself makes people very, very angry right away. Many people point to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, specifically verse 10. Let there be no divisions among you, brothers, which I affirm 100%. In the body of Christ, we absolutely must have and strive for unity. But there is only unity in truth. There is no unity in anything other than truth. And we have this idea today that we all need to be accepting and loving of everything. And we need to accept certain things in the church and in our doctrines specifically. That, well, we don't have to have it all right. Or that's just one man's opinion. This, those statements in themselves are extremely concerning. And I just see this all over the place. This is not only in questions that are sent. I have many people in the church who I have counseled in this direction that there is not any unity in truth whatsoever because Christ himself told us in a little bit of a different context here. Jesus was speaking to his disciples, his followers, a crowd at home. In Matthew chapter 10. And not even Jesus' own brothers believed in him. But he says in Matthew chapter 10, and specifically in 34, that don't think that he's come to bring peace. It's not peace, but a sword. And then if we skip down to verse 36, Jesus says, enemies will be those of his own household. And in context, what Jesus is saying there is the, the Jews were going to hate followers of Christ because it was going to cause them to leave their previous identity, everything that they did in their practice behind. And that was going to make people very, very angry. 
okay? But there's principle there. Because what Jesus is saying is Jesus is truth. And Jesus himself divides just him. If we go to Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is sharp and it pierces, it divides. There's unity in that division because what comes out of it, what rises to the top is our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. But there is absolutely zero unity in knowing that our enemies will be those of our own household. This isn't just a, you know, Jewish application here. This is echoed all throughout the New Testament. Paul says to the Ephesian elders in Acts that wolves will come in. Wolves. He says again in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, that Satan himself is disguised as an angel of light. And his servants also disguise him, themselves as such. He mentions false apostles, deceitful work. These things come in with their destructive heresies, as Peter says in 2 Peter 2.1, to attempt to divide the church. So it, this is, there is absolutely zero unity in knowing that our enemy is coming from within and attempting us to destroy us from within. There's no unity in that. Unless you're part of the truth and you understand truth and you understand that we must fight this and we must sift out what is not true and we can't accept it we can't go on and just say well you know we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or Mess anybody's spiritual walk up or get in the way of somebody's blessing or something ridiculously ignorant like that. Why you would not say this in any other situation. Okay. 
Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Leaven in the Old Testament as well in the New Testament is a, is a, is a bad thing. It's a sign for evil, sin. Uh, it, it, it's false teaching. That's what Paul uses it as, and that's what Christ refers to it as. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Right, and then the disciples, they said, oh, that's right. He's not talking about bread. He's talking about the teaching. There's this leaven that comes in and destroys. What, where, where should we accept or how should we accept any of this? And just say, well, a little bit's just okay. Or, you know, we don't have to worry about that. We don't want to be too judgmental. Go back and read Luke chapter 14 and read the cost of discipleship. Jesus likens it to going to war. We are at war against these things. There's no, there's no unity in an enemy that wants to destroy you. We can't invite this enemy in to the church and be okay with it. In the Christian circles, there's been a lot of controversy in the Christian YouTube circles, which these are getting huge. We can't discredit these and you can't roll your eyes at these things. Even people that um, like to discredit the stuff, you can't. Because, I mean, these audiences that they have, they're huge. But there's a little controversy going on in between a couple of the big name, you know, more solid YouTube teachers. One, his name is Colin Miller. Uh, the other is Alan Parr. And somehow Spencer Smith has been dragged into this as well. But um, I don't, Spencer Smith has been in, innocently dragged into this and he should have nothing to do with this. Uh, but, I mean, this is between Alan Parr with the Beat YouTube channel uh, and then Colin uh, Miller, who is his YouTube channel is just Colin Miller. But um, Alan Parr had put out a video about false teachers and basically uh, on, on whether or not you could label somebody a false teacher or not. And basically the gist of this video the, to, to summarize it was unity. We want to unite. We don't want to divide. So if we can chew the meat and spit out the bones, as he recklessly said about false teachers. And no, we didn't. Not that this podcast would ever grace his ears, but if it did, and I've, I've, you know, I've, I've gone, tried to, contact him on this specific point and still have nothing on this specific um, 
you know, the, this specific issue. But as far as everything that I have seen him comment, everything that I heard him say, that he is absolutely saying that a person, a heretic, a false teacher like Stephen Furtick, you can still gain something from him. And you want to be able to be able to discern for yourself what he is saying, what exactly it is that he's saying that isn't true. So, like, into his point, I get what he's trying to say, and I would agree that we all Christians need to grow up into a stage of maturity, that we understand sound biblical doctrine and we know how to defend it. However, there is a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous notion that we should compromise these things to begin with. That's absolutely absurd. And just because it has happened, well, we got to hurt somebody's feelings at some point to stop it. You don't just keep going in and no, we're not trying to be hateful Christians that want to turn people away from Christ. But I mean, that, that in itself is absolutely ridiculous. Yes, we have that ability, but in, in pursuing truth and not compromising on God's word, knowing that even just a little leaven leavens the whole lump knowing that we have a we have a demonic enemy we have a, satan is literally attempting to destroy us and we say something reckless like letting people listen to a heretic like this listen i've i listened to two stephen furtick sermons this week two one of the sermons i heard some really, really good things in that I was like, man, this is good for like 15 seconds. But you know what? In, in, in the whole sermon, the whole thing was sneaky because it was laced with half-truths and self-love and 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 self, you know, just this this idea of you being this little god, and, and you just conquering. And it's he didn't say these words specifically. I mean, I'm I'm making a generalization there, but that's what the whole thing was. He said some good things in there. That whole thing deserves to be. That whole sermon deserves to be thrown in the trash. Cool, he said something correct. Satan says correct things. So to accept this is absolutely absurd. And to say that we can't say anything about this is ridiculous. And it's reckless. Especially in these latter days that we are living in. I mean, I... We know Paul says specifically, Timothy, in the latter times, all of these things will come. We are in that place where all of these things have come. and you want us to be all kind and loving and it's all about Jesus anyway, you don't even understand who Jesus is. You don't even know God. 
we are living in an extremely dangerous time when these teachers are coming into the church and they literally are destroying people's lives and they are destroying Christian doctrine in the perception of it because now in the church we're not as in a whole this is even leaking over into solid teaching I've made this point many times that this is these this kingdom now theology that's very popular in this new apostolic reformation movement has leaked over into solid biblical doctrine and it is given us this idea because part of the new apostolic reformation isn't all just prophecies and miracles a lot it is kingdom building in unity unity that's what they're seeking for let's not talk about false teeth like that who are you who are you to judge false teaching that's what all of this is. So all of this is leaked over here. This has captured people like Francis Chan. This has drug him over into this. This is clearly taken. I mean, I, I don't want to say clearly. I want to wait uh, for his response, but I'm also not going to hold my words because right now off of what he said and how he responded to comments and, and back and forth on his own videos, Alan Parr is sucked into this idea of unity. It's absurd. There's only unity in truth. That's it. Nothing else. And we should not ever, ever be accepting of something that's not 100% truth. And then we have this idea, well, we all can have different opinions. Sure we can on secondary issues, very small secondary issues that really don't matter. But the fundamentals of the faith or of, of, of the gospel are very, very simple. And that's the other thing. People complain, well, you're just, you're just calling out false teachers. You're not even, why don't you preach something positive then? Then why don't you tell us the truth? Well, Anybody, any teacher, any teacher that is teaching should be teaching this together. I mean, this is exactly what we are commanded as teachers of the word. In Titus 1, it's very, very clear in verse 9. Paul writes, he, as being an elder, a teacher, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So you teach sound doctrine and also you rebuke. The problem is, is that the rebuke is in the front. And you're not listening to anything because it's making you angry. But that's exactly where the rebuke needs to be. If there is a train coming and your kid is on the tracks, you're not going to be nice about it. And that's what we are talking about. When you have an enemy that's much more powerful than you are, 
literally attempting to destroy you. You think Satan's out in the world being all evil. No, he's right in your own home trying to rip you apart. Some of you listening aren't even true believers. I don't know who they are. I pray that you truly do accept Christ. But your heart is so filled with hate that you won't listen because you want this false Christ. You want this false Christ that we were told was going to be all over the place in the end days. It's all the lovey, mushy, nice stuff that's self-empowering, that makes you feel good, that means that, that, that Christ's kingdom is here and now and you can conquer and, and you're living your best life now and all that garbage. That's what it is. It's, it's garbage and it's a false teaching that is leading many people to hell. This is not something that we can just, eh, no big. You know, I, I heard Spencer Smith make the comparison of antifreeze. You know, one teaspoon of antifreeze is enough to kill a human that's what he said I'm, I'm i believe it sounds about right i haven't looked it up to fact check it but it sounded right i i still can guarantee you i don't want to drink antifreeze but yes antifreeze you know that antifreeze can kill your pets smallest amount kill them all right, I looked it up real quick just in case we have that person listening who's going to comment and be like, that's not accurate. According to UF Health and University of Florida Health, it is two, as little as two tablespoons, one ounce or 30 milliliters can kill a child, and then usually about double that when you're talking about an adult. So either way, we're talking about a very tiny Mount like Spencer's <laughs> points okay, don't so, completely stand, but, really, okay, but so a couple, technically, a, a couple ounces. Yeah, a couple ounces is enough to kill a human. Yeah, which I mean, an ounce a is uh, um, not very much at all. A grown adult at all? No, yeah. I walk around with a, I don't know what this thing is. I guess it's a forty-four ounce cup, cup of water. water. Yeah, that I drink a few of all day. And four ounces of antifreeze. And four. Well, two. Isn't that what you just said? Two ounces? Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Two. Two ounces. Two ounces of antifreeze is enough to kill me. That's not even enough to fill a tenth of my cup. Oh, but if, I mean, a tablespoon in there is going to make you really sick. So, I mean, just a, just a drop, a you know, you're going to feel that effect. You're that effect. But to kill you, yeah, absolutely. It's not very much at all is the point. And this is what this false teaching is like. I mean, it's, it's for people that have any kind of nut allergy or anything like that. Like we know somebody that has a deathly, I, I'm allergic to peanuts, but uh, we know somebody that is deathly allergic to peanuts. Like they even smell a peanut. They're there in the hospital. I know my uncle, he's that way. 
he close to death. He even gets near one. It's horrible. Like, that's what this is. It's an allergy. It's leaven. It's, it's poison. No amount of this is okay. Somebody came to us the other day asking how they could compromise so they could understand things. That we absolutely cannot do that. You need a shepherd to shepherd you through this. You need somebody to take you through this. You don't need to compromise and, and pull out people that you know, eh, I know their doctrine's not that good, but I really like them and I can learn from them. And it doesn't matter. We discard it completely. There is no such thing. I, I mean, we can we can say that um, you know secondary issues. Some people are, are like to to pound those secondary issues in. For instance, Robert Breaker, he holds KJV onlyism as a major issue. He doesn't think it's a secondary issue. He holds it as a major issue, and he says everything but you're not saved if you don't read anything. If you don't read the King James, he doesn't say that specifically, but he gets a lot closer to saying that than I would say somebody like Spencer Smith does because Spencer Smith doesn't say that he has never said that. But Robert Breaker, who is also Baptist preacher, uh, he is very, very strict on it. And I do not agree with majority of his argument against anything else and, and whatever. But he still teaches a lot of solid doctrine in many other areas. So that's an area where, okay, I, if you feel that KJV is the only version and you want to make that, you know, Okay, fine. I can I can take that and I can I can chew that and spit that out. That's fine. Let me go move on. But when we're talking about things that specifically go against everything that we understand in scripture, that shouldn't be a part of anything that we do. I'm going to give you a, a tip. Uh, this is my own personal study and knowledge and or, or experience, I suppose. If you want to know how to discern a false teacher, and this isn't 100%, this is probably somewhere in the 90 category, nine times out of 10. If you want to discern whether a song, music, a teacher is false, Listen to what they're saying and how they're using the words, the kingdom. Are we singing praises that Christ brought 
the kingdom and we're conquerors and you're, um, you're a, you're an, you know, victorious child of God who God is raining down blessings on whilst these things are technically true in, in ways, not in the way that the church or the majority of the entertainment and teachings out there today teaches. So we can't even the but what ifs are, are very, very small in this category. So I don't I'm just going to not even not even consider them, although they exist in a very, very small category. But we I'm trashing those. The way that it is used in the way that the new apostolic reformation kingdom now theology replacement theology these big words that i'm talking about these are major doctrines that have seeped their way like leaven into the church and have absolutely destroyed it in every single way but listen to what they're saying is it a this worldliness that points to you in an emotional experience? Or is this something that really makes you feel like the giant piece of garbage sinner that you are and you want to serve the Lord and you are looking forward to the Lord's coming and His return and you don't want to have any sort of self-medication of this world where this world will will take care of you and 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 medicate you in whatever way that you need I'm not talking about in a pharmaceutical way i mean that's that's sure absolutely is a huge problem but more so in general in, in in example if it sounds like that then yeah, that's solid. But if it sounds like something that points you towards this world and says anything about the kingdom and the kingdom here and now, that's a false teacher. Nine times out of ten. There's a small open argument to a legitimate, legitimate biblical position for a doctrine called post-millennialism which does believe that Christ brought his kingdom and believes that the kingdom is within all of us and the kingdom is here and now and we absolutely will bring in more people to Christ we'll be a victorious church and then Christ will return there's a biblical position for that I don't agree with it it's an absolute false teaching but it comes from a honest, it's twisted, but it comes from an honest pre presentation of scripture. But that's not the stuff that you're hearing on your Christian music radio stations iHeartRadio, whatever. I don't even know what the kids listen to these days. 
YouTube with your YouTube and Instagram pastors, your mega church pastors, your larger pastors, any pastor usually that's well-spoken. Sounds good. Listen to what they're saying. Are they talking about this world? Are they talking about God raining down all this blessing on you? What do you deserve other than salvation? Think, think about these things. Remember, none of this points to you. None of it does. Everything points to Christ in what he did. Yes, it was for you. It was for anybody that accepts him. You're not special. Stop thinking that you are. And stop using Christ as your little daddy inspirational figure. Instead, bow to him, submit to him, And let him direct your life. But that's not, that's not what people want to hear. And that's what Paul is talking about when he tells Timothy that they will accumulate itchy ears. Like they'll, they'll, they'll all have them because they'll be sick about hearing about all these false teachings and teachers and all of these things, and they're so sick and they just want to hear about the positive. The thing is, is the positive is simple. It's simple. As I said earlier, a good teacher should be doing both. They should be teaching and rebuking. Guess what? Christ is who he said he was. He is the he is God in the flesh. He is the God-man part of the Trinity. He came as a propitiation for our sins, a atonement for our sins against a holy God. He came in the flesh. He died in the flesh and he was raised from the dead in the flesh. He raised himself from the dead in the flesh and has given us the spirit as a guarantee for eternal life. There you go. Make pretty songs about that. Get all your little excitement out and whatever you want to do on that. It's that simple. Then you can go and, and, and follow him and understand Luke 14. Look at what the cost of discipleship is. Realize that the enemies will be those of your own household simply because you love Jesus. If you're doing it right, People will hate you. And people will say horrible things about you. So, 
there to me is just not a whole lot of unity in that. Now, where the divisions would be, and just like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, when he says, let there be no divisions, is these divisions were from false teachings and false teachers. Both. So don't be divided in truth. Be united in truth. There's unity in truth. There's no unity in half-truths. Much more is to be said about this. But I think that's enough for today.